0: But now the Pizza Hut in Franklin, Tennessee, is the scene of a contemporary battle. We'll talk about that when we return on Civil War Talk Radio.
1: Have you let your website go stale?
0: Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology.
1: Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business.
0: Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools.
1: Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers.
0: Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral. Tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few.
1: Take advantage of the full power of the internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A V A L A R.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk.
0: Welcome back. Talk radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Robert Hicks, author of The Widow of the South, a novel about the Battle of Franklin and what happened in the years after on the battlefield. Well, Robert, I, I read this novel uh, so that we could have our, our discussion today, and I found it very moving, and yet at the same time I wondered. Quite in what direction I was moved by it. I thought it was, it, it, it's, it's a, certainly a novel our, our listeners will want to, to read for themselves and draw their own conclusions. Um, but it, it, I had a number of reactions to it that I thought I'd ask you about. One was uh, literary influences, it, uh, the, the structure in which each of the chapters is narrated by a different person. Uh, is, reminded me of a Faulkner, uh Found right. and Fury kind of approach. Uh, were, was that something in your mind as you created this?
1: Well you know, Jerry, if uh you know, I've never taken a uh, like a creative writing course and if I could have thought of a better way I would have done it. If I could have figured out how to do a, how to do a universal voice omniscient point of view I would have done it. But unfortunately, um I was stuck and uh and I and I uh I didn't know how to do it. So I yeah, I did. I my dad was an inventor and he used to uh he used to say that Hick's family definition of creativity is forget where you saw it. And so I uh I pretty much just used Faulkner. Uh and also, you know, others have done it over the years. Foot actually used it in Shiloh. And uh and so that was really the the reason it came about. It was just out of default. It works, you know. It's it's an interesting thing. I would say about ninety percent of the people who comment on it, read it, say they love the different narrative points of view. And about ten percent tell me it's the worst thing I could have ever done. So, uh, well, it, it requires a little bit of work
0: from the reader to to establish early on who the voices are and, and, and right. what their relationships are. But I don't think that's uh, uh, certainly not a bad side. Right. The I was trying to figure out what what you were trying to say uh, about the war, because in contrast to to a nonfiction historical book that will analyze the war and and, and perhaps terms of its uh, perhaps its meaning for the nation in large terms or smaller terms, uh, what what causes of certain events might be a novelist has a freedom to to talk in in very broad terms about about what war means in general, about the human condition uh, at the largest. And I was struck by how often there were references to order and orderliness and control, uh, especially through the first half of the book. Was this something conscious on your part that you were trying to talk about? I think so, I think so, yeah I
1: mean i I, I have a, a sense, and it may be incorrect, uh, maybe correct, I don't know of of what happens in war, what happens to to lives and 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 to the world uh, when war comes into it, um, and and how we as humans just do try to keep a sense of of order about everything. I mean, I think it's the natural thing.
0: So when, when you reduce the the hideous chaos of a battlefield to a an orderly set of rows of headstones, uh, this certainly seems to be something your character, uh, your main character, is interested in doing. It, it seems to bring her some kind of uh, meaning to her life.
1: And and I and I think that the reality for Carrie McGavick, the real Carrie McGavick, i move to, you know, between that and the fixed Carrie McGavick. But for the real Kerry McGavick, I think that was that was what her life was about. I think she did have a better relationship, I think her descendants would say it, with the dead than she did with, with the living at times. She was, as a, one of her cousins said, a difficult person after the death of her children. And so I think she, she was constantly trying to find meaning and order in it all, and that's that's That was what I was trying to project, because I think in the midst of total chaos, and I think that if you had awakened on the morning after the Battle of Franklin, come out of your cellar and seen hundreds of dead and dying boys, hundreds of dead and dying horses and mules and trees shot to pieces, um, <clears throat> all you could have ever wished for would have been some kind of order in your life. Um, and so uh, I think that's that's what I was trying my best to 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 understand how how people deal with just huge uh, catastrophes, calamities.
0: Now, your the antagonist in your novel has a different strategy for dealing with it, uh, and that his desire is to just plow up the whole battlefield uh, right. with, with the bones of the boys in it. Um, that, that he resists honoring the the soldiers, because this war was such a a man-made folly, such an example of stupidity and cruelty and needless destruction, that he doesn't want to
1: honor it. And much of Franklin was like that. I want to say this to you. Much of Franklin, there's a, a Confederate monument in the square at Franklin, but the dead, even the Confederate dead that died at Franklin are not signaled out. There is no, there was not probably until the 1950s uh, when the Carter House was saved, was there any attempt by the town of Franklin to focus on what had happened there. And so there was much of Franklin. I would see the overwhelming majority. I, I asked one of the elderly grand dames of Franklin, who was once president of the Board of Carton, and I said, why, why was there so little interest? And she said, we wanted to move on. We wanted nothing about that. You know, and I think I think you can say several reasons. You know, there was, in 1891, there's an attempt by Congress to build a national battlefield park here. 1925, there's an attempt by Congress to build a national battle park. And the, the town fought it. The then mayor, who had founded the local historical society, sent a letter to Congress in 1925 and said, we don't want it. And I think there was reasons. I think one reason is just sheer greed, that the battlefield was right next to the town. I think one reason is just the sheer numbers, that there was no grief counseling, and yet you have 9,200 casualties and, and 2,500 living people. There are people, you know, ever since 9-11 that have been c- committing suicide, that were part of that whole thing. So there's no grief counseling here at Franklin. And and I think, third, there was a sense of shame that Franklin represented the the death of Southern independence. And I think between those three things, there was this great, great desire in the community as a, to almost have a community amnesia about it.
0: That leads to a very different dynamic than in historical
1: preservation than we see in other places. Absolutely. And yet, I want to say that um, we, we started a thing. I started a thing two years ago. I founded it called Franklin's Charge. And in two years, we have raised over five million dollars from within this community. We raised a quarter we got two and a half million dollars from the city of Franklin, and now we have personally our group, Franklin's charge, and now we're going out to the nation and asking for help, have raised over almost three million dollars. And then we still have about a million and a half more. We have houses that are mortgaged at times. And what is the, what is the goal of, of Franklin's charge? Well, the first thing was, was that the, the 112 acres right next to the cemetery that Carrie McGavick and John and these people created was going to have 92 houses. Recently, in the last few weeks, we got a descendant to buy 40 more acres that was part of it. So we now contingently have over between what Carton holds and, and these two pieces of chunks of land, we have over 200 acres of the battlefield. And my goal is by the 150th anniversary, nine years from now, that we can stretch the the old Union line all the way from the carton to the Carter House. And uh, and so I've set it as a life goal. And so, I, I, you know, Virginia says they love their battlefields. North Carolina says they love theirs. You know, Maryland says they love theirs. Pennsylvania, I, I, I've i asked the Civil War Preservation Trust, which has given us 500000 and helped us secure another 500000 from the American Battlefield Protection Program, I've asked them, "Tell me where we are comparable to other communities in America," and they can't name a community in America that's ever given as much as a quarter of a million dollars from within the community to preserve battlefield. And so, so there is it now there is a passion. It's very light. We're, we're struggling against time. Uh, this is one reason why I wrote the book. I wanted people coming here. I just got from England, the book well, got in paperback, it's number 11. I, I wanted people coming from England and South Africa and New Zealand and Australia and France as they are. The book's been number, top five, for the, I mean top ten for the last five weeks in Italy. I, really? I want people to know the story of the Battle of Franklin. I'll let the historians straighten out all the details, but well, I want them to know the story as you point out,
0: storytelling really is the heart of history, as Shelby Foote said. And as as good historians know, uh, history without stories in it uh, gets you nowhere. But this sounds like a great story in itself. Uh, I mentioned in the the introduction to this segment the the Franklin Pizza Hut. uh, do I recall correctly that there was one? Uh... Yeah,
1: there was. All right, it's about. It, it's not exactly. Everyone likes to say it's where Claiborne was killed, but it's about where Claiborne. It's near where Claiborne was killed was a Pizza Hut. We we got the city to buy it last year, and we've now torn it down, and it's gone. And now where the original graves were that I talk about in the story that 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 Baylor wants to plow under, there's a Domino's and a Domino's parking lot standing there. And I want to buy that. And my goal is to to take down these things. And Again, I'm not a conventional historian, but I I waited for something almost close to 30 years to see my my fellow historians um, get behind the idea of reclamation. We went from one of the top ten most endangered battlefields in America to lost the year before I started Franklin's Charge. Mm. Now we're back on. Because, because I finally said, I don't care if land prices are $65,000 an acre. it just It's irrelevant to me. We, 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 will, we will do what we have to do here. And I think that that's why people are starting to look at us. And, and I needed a, a way to get people here, to, to, to make it a reason why people wanted to come here. You know, our, our, our tourism is up um, between last July and this July since the book came out. Heritage Tourism in Franklin's up 70%, and I believe we will blow it out of the water in the years to come. Well, I, I
0: would say to any listeners who have not had a chance to see the Franklin battlefield, uh, it is one of the sites, a Civil War site, you don't want to miss. I haven't seen it in, let's say, four or five years now, and I do remember being moved by it. Certainly there was a lot of development, but you could see from south of the town, you could get a sense of what ground had to be covered. Uh, the Carter House is certainly a very interesting site.
1: Amazing site. And and Thomas Cartwright, the director there, has done a fantastic job with, with very little funding. But, you know, he's an amazing person in his own right. He's one of my close friends. But, you know, this this is what we're trying to do. Now, you know, when we get back to the history thing, I, I'm driving down the road one day and I'm listening to National Public Radio. and They're interviewing this guy who's the executive director of the the Richard III Anti-Defamation Museum in York, England. <laughs> you know what? And it may be true. Maybe Richard III loved children. Maybe maybe Macbeth was, was just a good guy. Maybe Lady Macbeth just liked a needlepoint. But the reality is, is they are so lucky. They are so friggin' lucky that Shakespeare wrote them into his histories and mistold their story because that's why they live on. And that's what I think Shelby Foote was trying to say to me that day. That's how these people live on. Is because that 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 storytellers are willing to 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 keep them alive.
0: And and people like
1: Shelby Foote have done that.
0: Uh, great narrative historians you mentioned, Douglas L. Freeman, uh, Bruce Catton. Uh, in our time, people like James McPherson uh, can tell great stories.
1: But novelists do the same. Uh, I, I think they, I think they. it sounds like a bad bumper sticker, but I think they do it better. And I think well, that's what Mr. Foote was saying to me that day. It, and, it, uh, w- there on. are those who have, sir.
0: between Red Badge of Courage, uh, Killer Angels, Gone with the Wind, you have books that have, have burned themselves into the American consciousness and, and shaped our vision of, of what the past is about. I, I,
1: I think that the Civil War will have a hard time going to the future. Recently I was asked to be on this very blue uh, ribbon panel of scholars. <laughs> They're all scholars, and then there's me. And one, of them asked, and one of the relevant questions asked by the curator of the Museum of the Confederacy was, what is the biggest challenge leading us into the 150th anniversary? And uh, all these scholars had known what the questions were, and for some reason I didn't read my material. I didn't know what they were going to ask us this question. And they all had the same answer. Was the Civil War uh, slavery or was it caused by states' rights? And they all were ready to talk. And they asked me, and I said, there's only one answer, making it relevant. That's the biggest challenge we have for the next nine years, making the Civil War relevant at this
0: point in history. And And... Books like yours certainly will contribute to doing that. Before we go, as we hear the final music, how can listeners uh, help out with the
1: Franklin's Charge Project? They can go to www.franklinscharge.com. No, no apostrophe in Franklin. Just straight franklinscharge.com. And they can learn about what we're doing, or they can go to my website, thewidowofthesouth.com and that'll lead them to franklin's charge i mean the reason i'm doing this is to try to get they can come to franklin they can come to the carter house they can come to carnton they can come and see what we're trying to do here and ultimately they can send us money small amounts large amounts any amount because i think i think whatever we're doing we're, we're trying to do it so that that just like carrie McGavick remembered those boys that we never forget
0: Well, that is certainly a worthy cause. It's one that I know all our listeners here support, keeping the memory of the the Civil War uh, alive, relevant, and something we will continue to discuss uh, into the indefinite future. Robert, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Your book is, is an extraordinary one that I think all our listeners would enjoy reading, and I hope they will contribute to Franklin's Charge as well.
1: Listen, Jerry, thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
0: And listeners, thank you for joining us today on Civil War Talk Radio.
1: Listen, the world is talking, World Talk Radio.